Are you ready? Hey, think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masses. Hey everybody, welcome to the Unscripted Wrestling Podcast on uh, whatever fucking network we are here on uh, Spotify, Blog Talk, where you get your uh, podcast. I'm your host, Big Sexy Dan Hummer. I'm here with Little Sexy Doug Hummer. Yeah. And I'm here with uh, Eric. What's up? <laughs> Sorry, you're sexy. Thanks for the intro. <laughs> I'll try to spice it up for you. Uh, we got a big one today. WWF in your house, Degeneration X, the pay-per-view. We watched it this week, and we will be talking about it and reviewing it. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It was kind of cool to go back, uh, kind of the dawn of the Attitude Era almost. Yeah, I mean, it was the first... I mean, we're in it, pretty the, much. The but. first pay-per-view without, without Bret Hart. Yeah. At this point, the Attitude Era's kind of started. Yeah. But, uh, uh, I mean, and the first time I had actually ever watched the pay-per-view. Uh, so, I mean, it was fun seeing Yeah, that's crazy. Time. We've never been in that situation. I'm yeah, sure. uh, there's very few pay-per-views that I haven't seen. There's very few episodes of Raw you haven't seen. At least, like, I mean, I know we kind of... There's only, to be honest, you know, you say that, there's only a couple episodes of Nitro I haven't seen either. Yeah. It's nuts. Uh, you watch a lot of wrestling. Yeah. And uh, that's awesome. It's probably why you're on a podcast. Did, uh, you should review more of those episodes that you haven't watched. Yeah. All three of them. <laughs> uh, this had 6,358 people in attendance. The The doors aren't really breaking down yet. You know, financial. And this was where this was in Massachusetts, right? Yeah, Springfield. Okay. At the Civic Center. Okay. Uh, where they did the infamous Mountie Bret Hart title change yeah. six uh, six and a half years uh, earlier. Yes. Now this is kind of like this is basically a month after the screw job. Brett's gone. Yeah. Shamrock's kind of built up as our big challenger here. He's going to be in the main event going against Shawn Michaels. Uh, you got another big storyline is Stone Cold and The Rock for the Intercontinental Belt. Rock stole it. Uh, did Steve throw it over the thing yet? The dam or no? No, we're going to be reviewing that next week. Oh, cool. Is it the night after or the week after? The week after. So it's on December 15th. Okay. Then you got Triple H and Slaughter, of course, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> you got some good four title matches. Four title matches. Butter beans here. Uh, this the finale of the lightweight tournament. There's a lot on this show, but before we do all that, does anybody have a worker of the week? Ah, uh, I feel like. It's kind of hard to pick one. I know that uh, you know certain people are on fire right now in the different co- in the different companies. Because even though like I don't love AEW, I'm going Ricky Starks. 
because I did see some highlights oh, of him <laughs> on his little run here. And I didn't think he could, like, pull it off as a baby because he's one of those guys with such a fucking punchable face. Yeah. Like, him and Sammy, like, you just want to smack him fucking left and right. But uh, he, like, looks like a pretty damn good baby face right now. Right. He's got the pop. He's got the yeah. shine. The now, again, he's not going to win No, no, he's not. Because it, it's, way it's, too it's soon. just happening. Yeah. It's way too – and it's way too soon for uh, MJF to lose. He needs, like, a nine-month big reign. MGF's the type of deal tour around the country with all the top baby faces and make a shitload of money because you want to see him get his ass beat. And then you finally build up a, a kid underneath so much, and then you have him take the belt off him at one of your biggest pay-per-views. That's how this thing's supposed to go, right? Yeah. This little thing professional. Yeah. Which I think it could be with us. But uh, it probably won't. They'll probably have him lose. They'll have him... Re- uh, retain it double or nothing and then lose the next night on uh, on Dynamite. Well, what they'll probably do is, what I'm thinking is Danielson's going to be the one to get the first shot at a pay-per-view. Yeah. Because Danielson's going to take accept- the most exception to uh, what happened to Regal. Yes. Okay. Which, by the way, William Regal is gone. He wants to go back. He wants to coach his son in NXT. That's By the way, his son is uh, is the on-air character, Charlie Dempsey. And here's the thing. With Willie's run here, I've seen him, and I've seen some of the promos. I've seen him with the, the Liverpool Battle Club or whatever the fuck. And they're, like, first of all, none of those guys except for Wheeler Yuta really need a manager. Uh, but also, and he gave intensity in some promos and like when he was next to Kingston, he's like blood and guts and stuff, but he's another one that it's been kind of lackluster shit and it hasn't, it's not really his fault. He hasn't been really given much, but like, I felt like he was just here to make some money till Triple H eventually got his buddy back, you know? All right. So he goes, he goes to the ring with them. Kinda, and then he but then he out. goes over to commentary yeah. uh, to call the holds because he knows Jr. doesn't know what the fuck any of these holds are anymore. Yeah, and Jr. would just rather take a nap. And Shivani never really knew what the wrestling holds were to begin with. He's just laughing. And everybody, you know, and people would rather uh, fucking stick a uh, fucking sharp knife in ears and hear Excalibur talk. Yeah, their commentary team is. As much as I love the idea of Shivani and JR next to each other on the desk again and how great that was, two years later, it's about time to do a switch up. Yeah. So that's one of the reasons is because they know that, like, Regal knows the holes because he's taught most of them. Yeah. So, like, if, but it makes no sense for him to really lead a stable when he's not. That's one of the reasons why they broke up Team Taz. Because Taz had a group of guys. Taz never went to the ring with them. Yeah. Taz went to the commentary table. Yeah. Taz interfered in one match. Okay. Yeah. And that, uh, the reason why he interfered in the match is because he was trying to get some heat on his guys because his guys were getting cheered because they were in Ricky Starks' hometown. Yeah. So he figured, okay, I got to go help these guys cheat yeah. to get heat on them. Mm-hmm. Didn't work. They still cheered Ricky Starks. Yeah. And Ricky's over now. But, uh, and Team Taz, I thought was actually a cool idea with Hobbs and shit and Cage and stuff. AEW is all stable wrestling. It always yeah. has been. 
But uh, William Regal, he's he's one of those guys that there's so many people there and there's so much going on and it's so different all the time that it's really hard to appreciate him there and what he's done. Because yeah. he hasn't really done much. He's just, like, he's delivered a couple cool promos. but Like all the legends that have come in that are leading people, it's yeah. just like they're all just fading away. Yeah. Jake, uh, Arn, fucking, they're not even doing much with Sting right now. Because Sting is training for Muda's retirement match. Yeah, it's not special anymore like it was. Like when Jake first came out with fucking, uh, what's his name? Archer. It, it felt special. Yeah. It felt cool, and it's like holy shit. But now it's like we've seen it so many times. It's just I don't know. AEW kind of shit the bed with me a little bit, uh, but I'll still try to check in and yeah, you know I do it. But I enjoy Ricky Stark's run a lot. I think he's awesome, and I think he's gonna be a good first guy for uh, MJF to really. I mean, he's done some more stuff with Moxley, but. He's going to be a good first guy to, you know, really, you know, test MJF as a heel champion. Yeah. And I like those two as a match. I think that's good. That's a cool main event for a Dynamite, you know. Right. Now, my worker of the week is going to be uh, your wife, Alexa. Ooh. Your thing didn't just go. Yes, it did. It just beat. So... I thought you were talking about my thing first. <laughs> I was about to say, I'm a professional. Yeah. I don't get hard on air. Alright. But I'm picking her because she wrestles Bailey next week in the main event. Alright, so what I think or what I'm hoping is because they did a thing on Raw Monday night, it was two triple threat matches and the winners of the triple threats face each other this following week. Bailey defeated uh, Diarrhea Ripley and <laughs> And Asuka in a a triple threat, and she advanced. Yes. Alexa defeated Becky Lynch and and Nikki Cross. You're probably ordering, like, dessert right now. You don't even know. Uh, What kind of dessert? Uh, Hopefully Alexa. (laughs) um, But they they want – but so she defeated Becky and Nikki Cross in a triple threat thanks to damage control. Because Bailey does not want to wrestle Becky Lynch. That's the storyline they're running. Even though that's what Becky wants. Now, the winner of Bailey and Miss Bliss wrestles, uh, no problem, uh, uh, will wrestle Bianca at a later date for the title. Cool. And I'm picking Miss Bliss because. I think what's going to happen is I think Becky, it would make sense if Becky Lynch interfered and made sure Bliss won the match and cost it. Because Bailey does not need another fucking title shot. No, I mean. She's had two. Yeah, she's kind of done. And the War Games match, like, her and Bianca are kind of over now. You know? it, it needs to be done and over with. Like, last year when Bianca won the title. Like, they did uh, the one, the regular match at that Backlash, and then they did a Hell in a Cell, and then they were going to do a fucking I Quit match, and it's like, no, you end it after the Hell in a Cell. Like, you're letting it run too long. Who, her and Sasha? No, it was Bianca and Bailey before Bailey got hurt. Yeah, and then Bailey came back and then did two more matches. Right, and did two more, yeah, two more matches with Bianca, 
and a war games, it's just like, okay, it's enough. There's more people for Bianca to work with. Yeah. Just, and what I think should happen. Especially because they haven't been five-star classics either. I like both girls, but like that Saudi match. The ladder, lot, the, the, lot the ladder match yeah. was awesome. It was awesome. The last man standing match in Saudi Arabia Blue. sucked balls. Logan Paul overshadowed him. Yeah. To be honest with you, uh, Braun Strowman and Omos did a better job than uh, Bailey and Bianca did. I agree. Uh, yeah, so give Alexa a win here. What, Eric? I said that's saying a lot. Yeah. Give Alexa the win. Yeah. Let her actually turn heel on Bianca. Because you need another heel on that, on that Raw roster, I think. Another heel that's not damage control. Yeah. And bless it's better heel. She's good as a heel, but she's also, she plays the adorable girl thing really well. She's one of those cases to where I didn't think she could be a baby face. And then she did it. And I was like, you know, she's a damn good baby face. Yeah. Her heel run was great. though. Like she is a good little bitch. Like just being this kind of like, like the popular mean girl. She does that shtick better than anybody. But also, too, what she does, does it better than Trish did back right, in the day. Right, but what doesn't make it work is the fact that she's only five foot tall. But it still works. Like, dude, we were rooting for Nia Jax at WrestleMania. And yeah. you were. I was next to you. You were rooting for Nia Jax to beat Alexa Bliss. Right. Because she's so good at being a heel. And Nia Jax is fucking towers over her. But, you know, you put in the bullying, and she's fucking talking about her weight and shit, and she's just being a brutal little asshole. doesn't matter the size. You know, Shawn Michaels was a good heel as a fucking little guy. You know, and that makes you a better heel because you're this tiny little fucker that still finds a way to win and still finds a way to cheat and get your hand raised, and then you're talking shit. And she should get her ass beat, but she hasn't. That's the perfect heel. That's why she's so good at it. Yep. Ric Flair wasn't fucking nine feet tall. Ric Flair looked like Sharon could beat him up. He still does. Yeah, he doesn't go woo. Yeah, but like he wasn't the most intimidating presence. And, well, it's slap and grab crotch, and you have nothing down there for him really to gri- grip. For him really to grip. Uh, anyway. Uh, I hope I don't have anything down there for him to grip. Well, unless you're the former president. <laughs> Grab by the. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> but who are we talking about again? We're talking about Miss. We're third week. Alexa think- Bliss. She's a great. He- she's probably the best best heel on the roster when she's a heel. But she is a good babyface too. You can't really say she's better because she does the adorable thing. Like her and Nikki kind of re- revived that tag team division, right. just being this oddball team of this hot girl and this crazy chick. And they're but they're both kind of odd and funny and weird together, and that's cute. And then, like, she's just so, she's adorable, too. But she can be such a good heel. Right. Because she doesn't seem like she's sweetheart at all when that camera's on. Right. I've seen her on Instagram, and so she seems like the sweetest girl in the world. But when the camera's on, she's got to be a heel. She's going to be a heel. Right. So I wouldn't, I think it's about time for a turn. Because the evil shit only went so far. and Yeah. Kind of a bust. So, like, again, I think they should switch, you know, they should switch it. Like, she should beat Bailey. Yeah. And then... You know, have the match with Bianca, Bianca win clean, and then Alexa turn, and then, like, we get, like, another thing out of it or whatever. You get two more out of it. Yeah. Uh, I got to say, well, first of all, a couple more things as far as, like, 
and some of the women in wrestling. I don't know if everybody's heard about it yet or not, but Sasha Banks is apparently is going to be at New Japan's Wrestle Kingdom. Yes. Yep. Uh, it's been reported. New Japan themselves reported it. Well, she's going to be under her real name. Mercedes. Yeah. So, and she's trademarked like a bunch of new names or something like that. She's living her best life. She's on red carpets and shit. Her yeah. and Naomi are both, they're inseparable. And they're fucking, like, they were at fucking Black Panther premiere and shit. Yeah, well, she just, yeah, I forgot what movie she just did, but apparently she just wrapped up a movie. Well, yeah, because she's got acting chops. She was in The Mandalorian for yeah. that season. What? Yeah. yeah. She's, she's got her own action figure from being in The Mandalorian. I don't think they brought her back for the third season. She was in the second as somebody. I, I forgot the name, but. Costa Reeves. There you go. And uh, uh, she, Sasha is one of those people, and she's proving it, that she has worth and she has value and she can make something herself without the WWE. And I know that pisses the WWE. Maybe not Triple H as much because Vince believes, like, you can't do nothing if you're not here, pal. Because, and that's the story they'll tell you about China and Sonny. And yeah. they thought they were stars, so they left, and then they flopped. Because they didn't have WWE behind them, but Sasha's kind of proven. No, fuck you. I can go do other shit. I can go be my own star. I got fucking millions of Instagram followers. I got my own fans. Kiss my ass, and I like that too. Well, and also too, obviously Triple H be- uh, believes that she could do that stuff because you know he didn't freeze her. If Vince were still around, her contract would be frozen and she'd be sitting at home. Yeah, but if Vince was the only problem, she would have been back by now. So there was obviously something more going on in that situation than any of us know. Yeah. Because she would have came back as soon as the whole shit with Vince went down. She doesn't – she's not – obviously, there had to have been something else. Because if it was just Vince and Vince was fucking being weird with them and they were waiting for Triple H to take over, who was fucking the guy in NXT when they were killing it, then as soon as Triple H took over in creative, they would have came back. Right. But they didn't. So obviously there was a bigger play involved. I don't know what it is. No, no one else is going to know until Sasha opens up, and she hasn't. So right. it's all speculative at this point. Another thing I wanted to bring up, well, a couple other quick things. One is that Ronda Rousey apparently has apologized. Well, she apologized to Shotzi for the bad match at Survivor Series. Really? She felt like she, felt like she failed Shotzi. She did. And she blames it on the fact that they didn't get a chance to properly rehearse that DDT spot. Okay. And also blames on the fact that they were getting cut six minutes. Okay. So she feels like so she did say she goes look I don't give a I don't give a fuck if you you people believe me or not. Yeah. But here's here's the deal. So I will respect the fact that she has come out and said look, this was supposed to be Shotzi's moment, Shotzi's bright moment, you know. Shotzi lost. Or, yeah, or well, not even about kind of Shotzi was supposed to look better than she did. Yeah, it was supposed to be a coming out moment to where it's like, oh, she lost the match, but Shotzi's going to be something. Yeah. And no one thought that because that match fucking sucked. And it looked like both of them weren't doing much. So it's like, I mean, will I blame it all on Ronda? Sure, if she wants to take all the blame, that's fine. And I think Shotzi, I think Shotzi's all right. And I've seen what I've seen of her, I don't think she does bad work. And clearly, Ronda's. The problem, she's never, I mean, she's never had a five-star match, and she's worked with the likes of Charlotte and Becky the best you can get there. And even, like, Alexa made her look good because Alexa's good at that, but her match with Liv the month before sucked. That was bad. That's a string of, like, two really bad 
pay-per-view title match. Right. Now. That was the worst match on that. Ronda has been the worst match on the pay-per-view card twice now. Right. So it's obviously her. She's not, she doesn't seem to be getting any better. She doesn't look like she's happy there. You know, you can tell she misses fighting. At least me. I can see it in her eyes. She doesn't want to be in the WWE, and she's not doing them anything. She's not a star anymore. No one gives a fuck. I don't think she ever was a star. She was a star. She was a huge star. She was a huge star coming in. Well, coming right out of the... But she never did anything in WWE to be a WWE star. Yeah. The uh, only star power yeah. she was her name from UFC, UFC. or MMA or whatever it was. Yeah. Yes, no, yeah, you make a very valid point. That's, that is correct. Coming out of UFC and in the UFC, she was arguably one of the biggest athlete stars in the world. Yeah. Like, on Tom Brady's level. Fucking huge magazines, big interview spots. She's on Fallon. She's on all this shit. She was one of the biggest known athletes. She got, uh, she was in one of the Expendable movies, I think. Yeah, because right? she was the first woman. Like, when she showed up at that WrestleMania and beat ass with The Rock, everyone's like, this is so fucking cool. Ronda Rousey's this megastar. But then she lost a couple in UFC. She didn't take it very well. And, you know, the star just, yep. the shine left. And it's gone now. And it's clearly gone now. And it's just, now she's working the third match in at fucking Extreme Rules. And, you know, cool. And I don't, like, I like Ronda. And I don't want to see her fail or anything. And I'm just saying as someone who knows. And I enjoy both of the things that she's done. And study both of those things immensely. And I, I don't know, I'm I'm not the perfect mind for either, but I will tell you that she seems to be a lot better at one than the other. <laughs> right, yeah. And uh, it's yeah. not the one she's doing now. Now, one more thing I got to bring up about the women's division. Tegan Knox returned to WWE last Friday night on SmackDown. Okay. Now, when she came out, uh, she really didn't get much of a response. Yeah. And people are jumping all over. It's like, oh, Tegan Knox came back, but nobody cared. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Triple H, all Triple H is doing is bringing back people he used to have in NXT. Yeah. So they're complaining about it. Here's my view. Tegan Knox comes out. Last we saw Tegan Knox, and I'm assuming both of you know who she is. Yeah. Okay. Of course. Kind of. Right. Uh. Eric, you know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I heard I heard the name. Yeah. He was okay. a big star in NXT. Right. So last we saw her in NXT, she she was a brunette with green at the end of her hair. And she jacked. Well, no, she was getting kind of a big po- well, what was her last match? Her last match, she was teaming with Shotzi. They, they, they were going for the women's tag titles. And they won. Well, and then they got split up so Shotzi could be a heel on SmackDown and Tegan was going to be a babyface on Raw. Yeah. So she wasn't necessarily doing jobs. Yeah. Okay. All right. But last... I was saying, did she job in her last match? No. Okay. Uh, Because I was going to say, it's normal, like, because the casual fans, if they see someone lose or, like, not doing much at the time because they're on their way out, when they come back, it's not going to be like... Right. Woo! But my my point that I'm getting ready to make is when she came out, you know, again, everybody remembered last seeing her brunette hair, green at the end of it. Yeah. She comes out with five different fucking colors in her hair. She looked like Jeff Hardy and Bull Nicano's love child. 
<laughs> All right. I didn't even recognize her when she came out. Jesus like when they said, oh, it's Tegan Knox, it's like, that's not Tegan. She was a brunette last time we saw her. Now she's got fucking, and her hair was straight. She comes out, she's got fucking curly, it looks like it's supposed to be blonde hair, but there's fucking pink and blue and green and purple and orange in it. Yeah. So fucking, nobody's, if you don't recognize the person when you come out, yeah, you're not going to give them a big ovation. Yeah, you might be right. So... Yeah. I mean, even if so. they saw the name Tegan Knox on the board, but you know how long it takes for the people to look at the fucking board? Yeah. Especially if they serve alcohol in the building. I need a beer. All right. I'll finish up here. I have a workout to eat real quick. Here, I'll take one. What, Eric? Um, I have my worker to week real quick. Then we can uh, I thought get you agreed the, with um... No, I'm going to say some more dough, too, so. Oh, there we go. Well, yeah, he's doing pretty good. Now that he's finally healed, he, like, he's gonna, you know, do some really good things there. Uh, it's a shame that he was injured in WWE, but what he's doing in AAW is probably what he was going to do in WWE. Right. Yeah, Samoa... We're seeing the closest thing that we... He's a double um, champion. Samoa Joe, as he did in TNA. In TNT. Or, or, yeah, Ring of Honor TV champion and the TNT champion. And he beat Darby on Wednesday, including slamming Darby on his skateboard. They did yeah, good. he destroyed him. They yeah. did good by making him a heel again. Because he can't be a baby face. And I like Joe. No. He's too big of a guy to be a baby face. And he's got an ugly mug. And I love Joe. And when he smiles, like, he seems like a nice guy. And he's probably, but he's just got that type of face that it's like, this is a big, ugly, gonna kick your ass type of dude. And that works better as a monster heel. Yeah. Especially the way he moves. He's so athletic for a guy that looks like he eats donuts all the time. But he's so athletic and he moves so good. He's so agile. Like, Joe is a one-of-a-kind talent who's very underrated for all the shit. Like, TNA had AEW's money when they when they were fucking him and AJ, and they were really popping. They should have done – they would have done a lot better than they did. Right. And Samoa Joe was the fucking man. From Ring of Honor to TNA to WWE to now. He was just – he's always been the man. I liked him on commentary. I didn't – whatever he wants to do. But he's best when he's a heel. Right. And yeah. the funny thing is, is that – the one image I'll never get out of my head is him and Cole and Poncho. Yes, that at, was funny. At WrestleMania. Like, it was hilarious, but you could just tell by Joe, or by the way Joe looked, he's just like, oh, I better get released at the end of this. <laughs> I can't fucking do it. <laughs> like, and then he's a killer. Night, he's what? The killer. He's a, he's a killer in there. Yeah, exactly. In that ring. But, yeah, so, no, definitely... Samoa Joe definitely should be somebody's worker of the week. So, yeah, I agree with that. But, yeah, like, I just wanted to kind of just bring up the news about, like, you know, Sasha. He should and, be a world champion again. Right. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. Like, he – well, no, they got to wait for somebody to beat MJF oh, and yeah. then Joe can feud with that person. Of course. But it's like it just sucks he never got WWE strap. I kind of wish he would have took it off that day. That's, a, that's another one. And this is what kind of scares me with the whole Bailey Bianca thing. Yeah. Is they gave Nakamura three shots before they finally beat him clean. Yes. Same thing with Samoa Joe. 
three shots before he finally got beat clean. And he tapped, right? To yeah. the ankle thing? Yeah. Twice before again, before he got beat clean. Uh now Bailey's been beat clean twice. Yeah. In gimmick matches. Well, I mean, like nobody interfered on Bianca's behalf. Yes. That's what I mean. Yeah. So it's just like, but that's what scares me is that like, oh, we're going to do, Bailey and Bianca, they're going to have another great match. Like, no, leave it alone. Uh, Do the thing with Alexa, which would be a good thing for TV. What they should do is they should get diarrhea ready for for Bianca. Well, when they want Bianca to lose the belt. Well, apparently they're reserving that right for uh, uh, Ric Flair's daughter. Yeah, fuck her though. Uh, and I'm sorry, and f- fucking Rick, Rick talking about when she's a hundred, she could be a hundred and better than half the roster. I love Ric Flair, and I've always loved Ric, Flair, and you don't like him. And there's a lot of people that find him to not have a great personality. I love him. I think for the legend, and I have the utmost respect. For Ric Flair, but man, does he say some stupid shit? And with how old he is, and how fucking you know out of it, and like, it's cr- it's crazy. Some of his opinions are nuts, though. And I don't want to hold it too much against him because, like I said, he is getting very old. He is like not always in the best health. But like, there's girls that are better than Charlotte Flair. Charlotte's a great worker, and she is probably one of the best. But Sasha shits all over Charlotte. Let's be honest. Sasha's a better yep. in-ring worker, talker, so all of it. So Becky's Becky. not a better in-ring worker. She is a better talker. Becky is a better talker. I don't think Becky's a better in-ring worker than Charlotte. But I think Sasha 100% is more that total package than Charlotte will ever be, in my mind. I think she's going I both agree, the, because – to be the total package and to be the perfect one, you got to be able to go both ways and do it right. And I don't mean in a sexual setting. <laughs> I mean, Sasha can be. Are you trying to say my mind was going to go in the gutter? Yeah. Yeah. I can see. I looked at your eyes and I saw it going there already. But uh, Sasha's a great <laughs> heel. Sasha can be the boss, a great heel, but she can also be this lovable baby face that little girls look up to and they all want the boss glasses and everyone wants to be like Sasha. Charlotte can only be that heel, that kind of queen bee bitch. That's all she can do. She's gone baby so many times and nobody gives a fuck. No one cares. No one cares to see her be a good guy. Her dad did a better job than she did. And he was a a really good career heel. But there was something that you had to respect. He could be a baby face. She can't. Whenever she tries, the match doesn't work. It's a stale pot from the crowd. No one wants to see her be a good guy. Whereas, you know, Becky and Sasha can do both. So I don't think it's fair to say that Becky's or Charlotte will be better than all these girls still when she's 100. Because she's not even now. Can we get to our main topic? Yeah. All right. Yes. Degeneration X in your house. Eric said he fell asleep during this twice. Uh, December 7th, 1997, Springfield, Massachusetts. Civic Center. <clears throat> I don't know the buy rate. Oh, there's a lot of things going into this. The first match on the card is Taka Michinoku and Brian Christopher for the first ever WWF Light Heavyweight Championship. 
This is obviously a response to the cruiserweight division, the cruiserweight title, and how successful that was for WCW. Yeah. Uh, this yep. is the end of the tournament, which saw Aguilar and Super Loco, Taka and Devin Storm, Eric Shelley and Scott Taylor, all classic names. Besides, I mean, Scott Taylor, Scotty Tuhati is a legend. And Brian Christopher and Flash Flanagan. Who, by the way, Flash Flanagan actually would, in later years, make a name for himself in uh, Puerto Rico as Slash Menem. Yes. I used to watch, uh, back when IWA Puerto Rico was a thing for a few years, uh, he was one of the mainstays uh, from like 2002 to about 2005. He was a staple of their hardcore division. Nice. Uh, And I always always thought he was pretty cool because he was fucking nuts. And then... Scott Taylor and Brian Christopher meet up in the second uh, round, the semifinals, but Scott Taylor couldn't compete because Kane beat the shit out of him, gave him a choke slam. Yeah. So Brian Christopher got the bye. But that's funny because that's too cool going against each other. Yeah. And then obviously in a couple years, we would know them very well. Uh, and Taka beat Aguila in a good match. Not as good as their match at WrestleMania, but it was a good match. And then. This is talking Brian Christopher, who is Jerry the King Lawler's son. Uh, that's the finale of this thing. And that's the first match on this card. And arguably one of the best. Yeah. This match, for all we hear about this division is how fucking stupid and shitty and how much of a lame, uh, you know, WCW Cruiserweight division, you know, ripoff this was. And how some of the guys didn't even look like fucking lightweights, like Ivan Putzky. Not Ivan, Scott Putzky. Scott, yeah. Scott Scott was like chiseled and they said he was like 145. It's like, come on. Well, and here's the thing. Scott then would go to WCW and compete in their cruiserweight division. And I and I damn well bet you that the people complaining about him wrestling at the light heavyweight helped book him <laughs> in the WCW cruiserweight division. And Eric, he didn't, and Eric Bischoff, I'm talking about you. Yeah, he did look small, though. <laughs> He didn't look small. He didn't look no. All right, so he weighed two hundred and thirty pounds. Yeah, that's not a cruiserweight. I weigh two hundred. That's not a cruiserweight. When WCW first had the light heavyweight division back in nineteen ninety one, the weight limit was two thirty. No, two thirty six. It's two oh five live, Doug. Well, now be two oh five. But in so when WCW brought the cruiserweight title back, the limit was 225. Well, when WWE finally did it right, it was 205. Yeah. I mean, did it right? That belt's not around anymore, is it? Or it's on NXT now, right? No, they got rid of it. Okay. Yeah. So they, I guess they didn't do it right. <laughs> but the Taka, but Tot people. So people are so quick to shit on this thing. And yeah, the division, it, it didn't have a lot of beef to it, but it did have one great headliner, which is Taka Michinoku, mm-hmm. who is arguably one of the better in-rig workers, especially around this time, but ever. He was so good, Taka was. Uh, the only the only kind of smear on his armor is that he's Kenny Omega's favorite. But besides that... Well, and also he couldn't speak English. Well, yeah, and... It's hard to do that in a company based all around promos and entertainment. Exactly. When you want him to co- when you have Vince Russo writing promos for him, 
and saying, all right, Taki, you're going to go out and you're going to say this, and Taki can't even read the fucking word on the piece of paper. <laughs> it's like, no, like, he can't, he doesn't understand. And, and then they were trying to have fucking, at first they were going to have the headbangers. Yeah, you know, kind of hang around with him and teach him English and all that. Then they had JBL, which yeah. actually worked. To and be honest, the with whole you. thing, him and Brad not teaming up worked. Like that was fucking hilarious. Yeah, that was funny as fuck. Yeah, I actually really liked that. So like that worked because JBL also has no patience. Yeah, like in real life. Yeah. So and, and JBL loves doing stupid shit. Yeah. Think of what he's doing now with the, some bald-headed idiot. And no, I don't mean me. They tried to get me for that gig, but... Was, Justin Roberts is one of the guys that said he was a bully, right? Yes. Okay. And he's still in AEW, Justin Roberts? Yes. Yes. Good dude's a hack. He is a good voice. Uh, no, but... For radio. This match really worked. It, uh... Taka and Brian, they worked their asses off. They they did that they did that cruiserweight pace, but also they've got all their shit in, and it looks smooth and right. It wasn't botchy at all. High impact, high impact, which yeah. was good. Like Brian Chris, you know, with the sit out power bomb, and then uh, like when he hit the Tennessee Jam, which at the end when he hit the Tennessee Jam, like you could tell, like he kind of like stalled on the landing a little bit yeah. just to make sure he didn't pop out his hip. Yeah. Which, doing that leg drop a lot, the leg drop will fuck up your back and your, your hip and all that shit. Yeah. Right? Especially, like, if they expect you, like, if you're not going to hit it all the time. Yeah. Because, uh, so, like, when you land on that hip, as hard as that mat is, like, it'll you miss that a certain number of times, it's going to fuck you up. Yeah. If yep. you don't land correctly. Brian Christopher knew what he was doing. And like this match with Taka, by the way, Mitsunoku driver was like one of the most innovative moves. Yeah. In that, in that time period. Yes, it was. Like, so good. When, when he dropped them, he dropped them. Yeah, the the Michinoku driver is badass. I actually really like that move. And like they it played was a up, good opening match. It was a great opening match, and they played up the Christopher shit with with Jerry the King Lawler a little bit. Yeah, that was good. Okay, so they did this thing. Lawler, are, so for years, even when Brian broke in, when Brian Christopher first broke into the business, and he told me this. Okay. Uh, obviously when he was still alive. Uh, when he first broke into the business, they had him under a mask because Lawler was booking at the time. Yeah. And people in Memphis were already fucking fed up with how much they weren't getting paid. Yeah. Uh, so they knew that, like, if they saw uh, Jerry's son come in, work, like, semi-top, he knew they knew that they were going to get pissed off. Yeah. Uh, so, like, they had him under a mask, and then they took the mask off, and everybody knew who the kid was. 
But then he gets to WWE or WWF at the time, and they pretty much just said they told Vince, they're like, hey, we don't want it mentioned that he is my son. Vince said, okay. Yeah. Well, Paul Heyman, who has never met a script that he felt like following on air because Lawler's still pissed off at him for wanting, not wanting to do a scaffold match in 1987. <laughs> All right. And, or no, Lawler's pissed at him for doing that. So Lawler punched Heyman in the mouth like a couple days after that, and Heyman was still pissed. So Heyman, on an episode of Raw, mentioned that Brian Christopher was uh, Jerry Lawler's son. So then JR figured, okay, we can keep mentioning it now. Which Brian Christopher had told me, he's just like, I didn't like that. I didn't like it when JR said it. Like, JR should have just let it go. Yeah. Because we did not want it mentioned, but JR didn't care. So he has, at that time, I don't know if any of it's been, or was situated before his, before his passing in 2018. But he had a lot of resentment towards Jim Ross. I didn't for JR. Did he tell you that or did you? Yes. Okay. He was not happy when JR uh, mentioned because him and his father had specifically said, we don't want it brought up. So he pretty much, I mean, again, I don't know, but like at the time. That's why he, he told you this, though. It's not like you heard it from an outside source. He talked to no, me. No, he, he talked to me and he told me this. In his voice, he sounded like he still hated Jim Ross. Right. Uh, yeah, and maybe he did, but then they started using it as an angle, so. Yeah. And they were always going to eventually. There's no way for it not to be brought up. Obviously, he was way better when he went for his Grandmaster Sexy stuff. I remember when he came back just to, like, talk shit to the king in, like, 2011 because of the Michael Cole shit. I remember how excited I was seeing him back, and then I was like, why is he being a dick? <laughs> well, and what what was also funny too is that in 2004, before Jr. Uh, was fired as talent as head of talent relations, Jr. wanted to bring back Grandmaster Sex Day, and he did. The problem is Grandmaster Sex Day was still he had issues. Yeah. All right, and him having the issues is one of the reasons why Vince said. Uh, all right, JR, you got to go. That end, you know, Laura and I just really knew how to tickle under the tank. Uh, Good tank tickler? Yeah. He must have been because Vince brought him back again. Well, before they had to fire him because they both fucked an intern. But, uh, but yeah, no. So there was like, you can only tell like, because they made it into an angle. And Lawler, like, even though everybody knew that they were father and son, like King just kept ignoring it. He's like, quit calling him my son. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, well, take a blood test to disprove it. <laughs> but no, it was that was an awesome opening match. Great opening match. I would give it eight stars. I'd be right there with you. You nasty? I, I agree. 
I give it an eight. You give it an eight, Dicky? <laughs> yes, I do. I think it's probably the best match in the card. Uh, next up, we have the burn burner that is the Las Periquas. Oh, God. Miguel Perez Jr., uh, Jesus Castillo Jr., and Jose Estrada Jr. That's not the Estrada we come to know and love later, is it? That's not Armando. No, it's not Armando. <laughs> With Savio Ovega. Not just Savio Ovega. And they defeat the Disciples of Apocalypse. Chains and uh, two Dugs. Eight Ball and Skull. <laughs> the Harris Brothers. Two bald guys. Basically, the human. Two big, juicy, round testicles here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and this is like part of the gang warfare shit that they were doing at the time. But now. The nation had kind of moved on already. Yeah, and the rock like, what was what was stupid was the fact that they just kept doing this. Like it would seem like every other pay per view, it was DOA versus the Bariquas. Yeah, because they had nothing else for these fuckers to do. No. Uh, and by the way, Crush was already gone. <laughs> like, cause he had actually, he was one. It, you know, one of the few people that left the WWF over the Montreal screw job that wasn't a Hart family member. Was Chains related to Apo and Skull? No. His last name's Harris too, that's why I wondered. I don't think they are. They might they might be cousins, I'm not sure. But uh yeah, I thought this match sucked. <laughs> oh, it fucking blew. It's not the Raw was better that we watched when it was uh, Vega versus Crush versus Farouk, right? Or was it just Vega and Crush? Well, it just been, well Vega, Crush, and Farouk went at it in a triple threat at at an in your house like a couple months prior. Okay, maybe it was that that I watched. Uh, it sucked. It was bad. It wasn't good. It was dog shit. Uh huh. I give it a three out of ten. I give it a two. <laughs> I gave it a one. This is when Eric fell asleep. Now, next up, we have Mark Merrill with the beautiful, beautiful sable mixed with me and Doug mushed into one person, Butterbean, in a tough man match, which is a fucking boxing match. You stupid. It's pretty much the brawl for all before the. Yes. Well, it's not even really the brawl for all because you didn't have to do takedowns or whatever. Yeah, it was a boxing match and fucking. Like, they bring in Butterbean. You can actually tell that, like, they really didn't want Butterbean to go over. Because even though Butterbean technically knocked out Merrill, or, like, knocked him out with what would be a knockout shot, they had Merrill get up right away and hit Butterbean in the plums. Yeah, but this wasn't real. There's no way this was scripted. Well, that, that's what I'm saying is that, like... This was scripted. Yeah. They, they the scripted this. shit was real, but this was scripted. Right. And you could tell that, like... Because I'm sure Butterbean wanted this to be real. But but they had no problem for the tough enough to be real because JR wanted Bart Gunn pretty much killed for what Doctor for what he or Bart did to Dr. Death. Yeah. And that that actually was real. Butterbean's yeah. second appearance against Bart Gunn. That was real as fuck. And Bart Gunn literally really but it, just the way Butterbean was punching and stuff, it just it looked very gimmicky. People yeah. are yelling boring in the crowd. Cause this sucks too. It sucks so bad. He's there's another reason you can tell it's fake. 
And the last shot, or at least the second one to put him down, I think, Butterbean stops his head with his hand because it's going in circles. He stops his head, and mm-hmm. uh, Marrow stops with him, and then he like holds his head in place and then hits him with another shot. That's the fakest shit I've ever seen. You're not doing that in a real fight. Who's going to sit there where you hold their head and then position and punch? No, that's not going to fucking happen. So it, it was total fake, phony bullshit. Didn't work. This whole the first experiment with Butterbean fucking sucked because that stupid promo and the shit to set it up the other week that we watched that you put me through. You sick fuck. And that you was, liked the Nitro though. I did like the Nitro, but I didn't like the Raw, and this is one of the reasons why because Butterbean was wearing fucking like tie dye camo. It was fucking weird. And yeah, he, he was wearing like an ugly fucking Christmas sweater. Yeah, it was like a cardigan, and he was. And he, like, he is, it's one of those guys, and it's like Brock, that's like, just shut up and look tough, because you sound like you got hit in the testicles ten times, and you did some helium after. Like, it's just too, it's like me, you can't fuck, like, we just, if you have a high-pitched voice, don't try to sound like a badass, because it's not going to fucking work. And Butterbean has way too high pitch of a voice to try to sound tough. Yeah. Like, I'll fucking beat you up! It's like, all right, little guy, come down. (laughs) Even though he's fucking huge. But it, this didn't work. It sucked. And the only thing that was good to look at was Sable. Yeah. <laughs> Which exactly. is kind of the, I mean, it was the, basically the motto of Mark Merrow's career. So. Yeah. And it sucks because I like Merrow. And I actually remember liking the tough guy, you know, Golden Glove boxer shtick that he did. I thought that was cool as a kid. Now going back and watching, it was fucking awful. But. I thought it was kind of cool as a kid. This was not cool, though. He looked stupid. No. But it, it was you should pointless. just had Butterbean won. There was no reason to do the low blow after. Mark, like, you're trying to make Merrill look sort of tough. Like, he just got his ass kicked. So he gets up and hits him in the testicles. What does that do? Doesn't even really And he got you. up right away. Yeah, he got up right away. So all you did was make Butterbean, who is a legitimate prize fighter. He is an out of shape. Like, he's not the ideal, like, a a UFC trained killer athlete, but he is a prize fighter that has put dudes the fuck out and has legitimately knocked yeah. people out and beaten people and in real legitimate competition. You're going to have a fucking guy just get up right after this guy is supposed to like lay him out. It makes better be him in the balls. And then he, uh, did the, he used his stool on him and, and then he got up like five seconds later. Yeah. yeah. He nine sold it. He nine sold it. I give it a negative three out of 10. I give it a negative nine. <laughs> negative 15. There you go. Who's going to outdo us? Uh, <laughs> nah, Sable, Sable was hot, though. Yeah. All right, let's move on. In this incident, disqualification, by the way, like the next 15 matches on this card. Eight matches, four of them D- DQ finishes. It tells you how shitty this thing is. Yeah. Uh now we got the New Age Outlaws, Road Dog and Billy versus the Legion of Doom, Hawk and Animal. And before we even get into the match, because this match sucked too, kind of. Yeah. But before we even, because Legion of Doom are like, they were past their prime 10 years before this. <laughs> Not 10 years, but they were past their prime when they, they first past, got to the WWF. When, when they came in, even though like the whole thing with the Nasty Boys was cool when they beat them and all yeah, that. Yeah, it was very cool. Uh, and even the shit with the fucking demolition was cool, but but like ninety two when they came back after Hawk had to serve a suspension, yeah, 
It's just like, okay, guys, like you're you're done. Yeah, but now, like here, they're really fucking done. Yeah, and you can just like the best part of this was the promo beforehand. Oh my god, where Hulk's talking about a booger for about five minutes, and, and you're a booger. I gotta dig and dig and dig, and one day I might just get it and flick it. And it was just the craziest shit. You could tell he was on a pound of cocaine. Oh, yeah, this was actually... This is like the height of his drug use, right? Exactly. And like, it's sad, and it's not funny or anything. It's very sad. and it's Even though we're laughing about it, no, it is not well, funny. I mean, this is kind of a comedy show. But he is... Uh, Legion, the Legion of Doom and Hawk and Animal are absolute legends. And even if they weren't, you don't want to see any man go through drug addiction on live TV. And no one deserves to go through that. And... Especially the stuff where he like yeah. threatened to kill himself later on with draws and shit. Yeah. That shit was really nasty and gross. But here he just like it's just funny because he's so fucking amped up and he's talking about boogers <laughs> and that was and the whole and it never strayed away from boogers. And then yeah. at the end he's like, and we're gonna get rid of you like a booger. <laughs> and then they fucking walk off. Oh, what a booger! Oh yeah, he said, oh what a booger. When it's like, oh what a rush. He said, oh what a booger. <laughs> and then they walk. It's like this is fucking stupid, but it was hilarious. And it was better than the match. Yeah. Because then they go out and the match fucking sucks. I get what you're trying to do. You got this new team who's gonna go on to be one of the greatest tag teams of all time, the New Age Outlaws, versus an old team. It's the old guard versus the new guard. You want to pass the torch and you want it to be cool and it to be awesome. But instead, it just fucking sucked, and it didn't work because the only like, like let's be honest, at this point in '97, the only person in this match that can wrestle is Billy Gunn because Road Dog yes. didn't work. He was a great talker, but his in-ring work was pretty ass. Yeah. That went to the other brother. That went to Brad. Uh, that didn't go to him. And the Legion of Doom were, like I said, old. And even when they were in their prime, they weren't known for fucking throwing arm bars and doing ankle locks. No, not shit. at all. Hawk couldn't work worth a dance. No, they were, they're there to punch you in the face and fucking, you know, and that's all they need to do. But this fucking, <laughs> this match wasn't very good at all. And it was another DQ finish. It ended in a DQ. I, the second one in a row to end in a DQ. And, uh, and there was they another do, one they do later like, on. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's there's two in a row here, and then Jared and Taker, and then the main event. There's four DQs in this show. That's how shitty this well, is. Well, I was just going to say, like, I... oh, yeah, that's right, because after this, it's a boot camp, right? Yeah, so it wouldn't be in a row, because that ended in a... Not clean, but it's yeah. no and that's why I said Tanaka match was the best match in the card. The, the what? That's why I said that Tanaka and uh, Christopher match was the best card on the map. I mean, best it's, match it's in the, the card. Tanaka. Okay. Uh, <laughs> the new, okay. but this match. Sorry. And the whole like, no, you're good. You know how wrong it is that he could not pronounce the guy's <laughs> name. <laughs> So yeah, and I know I'm I, I'm Asian too. So this is the only representation on the podcast. Me and Doug said it perfectly. Just say it. Just say it. Oh God, we're going to hell. No, but it's all good fun. Uh, we'll be having good fun in hell too, roasting marshmallows. But the New Age Outlaws, they they're still green. They don't have the chemistry that they're gonna have yet. They're getting there, but not quite yet. And the Legion of Doom yeah. are, are too old. 
And the whole Eddie Guerrero thing before Eddie Guerrero was placed in a chair, making it look like Hawk hit him and shit to get the DQ win. It was just stupid. It didn't work. It doesn't yeah. have the same charm it has when Eddie does it. Uh, this match is a two out of ten. Yeah, definitely two. I'll be nice. I'll be zero. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fucking nice, but okay. We uh, said two. He he knows that we didn't say negative two, right? Yeah. Uh, Next up, we have the boot camp match, which is about 18 minutes. Oh, my God. It's about 17 minutes too long. 10 minutes too long. That was good. (laughs) Triple H is with China back when she still looked like a dude. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, they, RIP, by the way, China is a lovely, was a lovely woman and, uh, you know, a, a great performer. But back then, she just so happened to look like a fella in my estimation. Uh, they wrestle Sergeant Slaughter in a boot camp match. And you talk about Passion Prime. What the fuck is Slaughter? But here's the thing. I've seen Slaughter, like when Slaughter came back and did the little thing with like Jack Swagger in 2010. And even before that, the thing with Muhammad Hassan. He looked better then than he did here. Yeah. He looked in better shape. Here he just looked like a fat idiot. And I love Sarge. Sarge is one of my favorite fucking wrestlers of and, all time. And by the way, Sarge is one of the nicest people yeah, he's a nice on, on the planet. Yeah. Uh, I'm just the one that met him, right? Or were you in line with me? Because we were both at that convention. I might have been with you. I don't remember. But was no, I with you? Uh, no, you didn't go to this one, I don't think. Okay. No, I think that's the one your mom was right? Yeah. I believe so, yeah. Same one as Rey Mysterio. Yeah. So, I mean, he is one of the nicest people on the planet, but, like, he, but, yeah, back here, again, like you said, he just looks like a fat idiot. Yes. And uh, it didn't work. Triple H, not green, like, Triple H kind of knew what he was doing. It's just nothing meshed. It wasn't good. It wasn't fun. Wrong guy won. There was too many, too much. Without Steve Austin, what were your rules? There was like no rules. It was like the normal hardcore. Yeah, it was just a basic hardcore match. It's not like there was like it should have been set up like a boot camp, the ring, but it really wasn't. All right, so back in the day, like in the eighties, a boot camp match pretty much was the two guys just fighting and wrestling in the ring. And the referee only came in when it was time to, like, either count a fall or look for a submission or call a submission okay. or whatever. So it's just the referee doesn't do his job. And <laughs> the referee just stands outside until a pinfall is being made. And then if the fucker trips over the ropes or something like that and can't make the fall right away. How exciting. Uh, is that what they did here? Jack Dolan no. stayed outside the majority of the ring until China punched him in the mouth. Yeah, when he's when he's trying to tell China what to do. Which, by the way, when China is like four inches taller than you, and you're trying to yell at her, and she can just look at you and be like, "One, I'm fucking one of the guys that's actually calling the shots around here because he's sucking the up, he's sucking off the other guy who pretty much can do whatever the fuck he wants." You're not going to tell me what to do. I'm just going to beat the shit out of you. Yeah, and her involvement, and the match sucked anyway, but it ruined it even more because my favorite spot in the match 
as when Sarge hits her with the powder in the eyes. Yeah, and then she fucking no-sells it after, like, five minutes. That never happens. You never see someone get hit with the powder or a spray or a mist and recover and win. At least I haven't. No. She, she, like... But, again, it's pretty much Triple H and Sean were calling the shots. Yeah, but it made no sense. No, it didn't make any sense. But because they were calling the shots... If your mouth was on Shawn Michaels' dick, yeah. you you were getting over. Right. Like, even if there was no fucking reason for you to win. And again, as Triple H, he's a different human being now because, you know, he doesn't have sex with Shawn anymore. He has sex with uh, he has sex with Stephanie, who he's supposed to have sex with. <laughs> but it's just like, back then, Shawn Michaels and Triple H were two of the most selfish, egotistical people pieces of shit Yeah, in well, the wrestling business. The thing is, though, is that it's not that he shouldn't have won. I think the right guy still won. I think you don't need Slaughter, the commissioner, to win here. Slaughter, like, what's Slaughter going to Oh, is that going to be a, the, for the young upstart Sergeant Slaughter? Or he's going to fucking go out and win the Royal Rumble? No. Slaughter's the, here to lose. I just, it, the booking made no sense. The, but the way it happened made no sense. If you're going to hit her with the powder, hit her with the powder, make her a non-factor, and make Triple H win on his own and look tough. But just do that. Or, have, far, or have fucking Sean come out and kick Slaughter in the face. But, like, they made out, they, like, I get he's a heel, but they went out of their way to make him a pussy when they didn't need to. Like, just have him beat him fucking one. Right, exactly. Yeah, uh, the match sucked. The match did suck. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we really have to quit pushing buttons on this show. <laughs> and I'm not just talking about the buttons I pushed earlier, uh, you know, talking about Sean and Triple H stuck in each other off. <laughs> I think we hit our quota for an episode. Yeah. Of blowjob jokes. Uh, no, but it just didn't make any sense because Triple H could have still won. Everything could. I'm fine with Triple H winning this match. I think he deserved to win. I, I don't think Slaughter wins doing anything. I just don't get. You don't blind the eyes just for her to come back and cheat anyway. Because yeah. what's the fucking point? That just means, oh, she's immune to it. Uh, like, it doesn't even. To me, it doesn't make her look tough or anything. Like, you could take her, make her a non factor, and then have Triple H and Slaughter go at it for a few minutes and Triple H beat him clean or hit him with a low blow or anything. You yeah, know? it should have been yeah. more of a brawl. He hit her with the powder, it would have been great. And then fucking Triple H just comes up and hits him in the dick. And yeah. Pedigree, one, two, three, and we're out of there. But it wouldn't have saved the match anyway, because the match sucked as a whole. Oh, God. It was like, it was one of the longest matches on this card, too. It was 10 minutes too long. Yeah, I agree. How long was the match? 11? <laughs> it was actually like 17. It was but, so, the fact, so the fact that we wanted this match to go seven minutes shows how fucking pathetic we are. It was bad top to bottom. It was probably the worst thing on this card. Next and that's button. saying a lot because there was a lot of bad. There was. I do think that this card is, is kind of unfairly judged because I think there's enough good stuff on here. We've reviewed one match cards before. We've reviewed, we've reviewed two match cards before. I think there's a couple on here that are actually worth uh, watching. Like the opener and we'll get in. We're getting into the good shit now. The last three is incredibly strong for me. Yeah. It's at least better than the middle. Uh, so what are we going to rate the Slaughter Triple H? Three. Today? Two. All right. I'm a, I'll am give it a one. No, yeah. 
This is the second time on this episode we've actually counted down. <laughs> then three, then two, then one. I'll give it a one. Uh, all right. Next up, we have Jeff Jarrett, who it, it's funny because when we did the Raw a couple weeks ago, we talked about Jeff Jarrett, and he did like a little promo, and it seemed like they were kind of building him up for something, right? It seemed yeah. like they were kind of – Jerry Lawler called him a future star, like one of the biggest that could be in the company. He he was had a new type of gimmick. He wasn't doing the country star shit that he did the last time. Right. Uh, it seemed like Jeff Jarrett could actually do something here. But I mean, then, he did become a star somewhere else. He was kind of like when he gets with the well, with he Deborah, a star somewhere else uh, in a place that him and his father started. That that too. Yeah. Him and his father had to start the company in order for him to become the star. Yeah, yeah. and it was going downhill when he was the star, so yeah. it doesn't really mean much. They weren't doing Jerry Lawler numbers when Jarrett was top of the bill. Yeah. No. But it, nonetheless, you think okay, they might give him a job guy here. They might give him somebody to where like they seem to have a lot of faith in this guy and they want to build him up. Okay. But who's his opponent? Undertaker. Undertaker. So they started it off. His debut match was supposed to be against Crush. Yeah. But he came out and said, I'm not doing it. Crush is not big enough competition. And Kane came out, did the thing, took Crush out. You know, Crush leaves the company. Then it was supposed to be Ahmed Johnson. Again, I'm not wrestling, not a big enough star. <laughs> is that what he said? Yeah. No, it's not me talking. But, That's uh, what I said. Is that what he said? Yes. It, I, I'm uh, I'm too big of a star. I need top level competition. Yeah. Uh, and that's when Sergeant Slaughter came out and said, "Okay, you're wrestling Undertaker at the pay per view. You want top level? He's top level. That's what you're getting." So that's pretty much what set the thing up. Is the fact that like he kept turning down match after match, he would just come out and say, "I'm not doing it." Imagine if he turned down Undertaker. I think he, he tried to, but then that's when Slaughter said, if you don't do it, your contract is null and void because this will be the third match you've turned down. <laughs> that yeah. you've signed on the dotted line for. We have a contract saying you're supposed to be here. We advertised you. You're not doing it. You're breaching your contract. Exactly. And it was it was just funny because it's like, oh, my God, Jarrett's fucked. And they had an all right match, honestly. Compared to what we've seen for the past three matches, this was fucking, you know, Okada and Omega. Yeah. <laughs> this is gold. So, Jared and Undertaker, they actually have a pretty good seven minutes. Yeah. And they work, like, Jared kind of works his shit, does some kind of. It, it's funny when you see the heel kind of work on underdog ish a bit. But that's kind of what he was doing. And Undertaker was stopping him in big moments and getting pops from the crowd. I liked all that. And then Kane came out and it felt like spectacle. And then Jarrett's like, yeah, get him, fuck him up. And then he chokeslam Jarrett, classic. And then he punches Undertaker. And like we said a couple weeks ago, this is the best thing going in in the company at this point. Yeah, because yep. you know it's inevitable that it's going to happen. But Undertaker does not want to fight his brother. Yes. And then, but they, that storyline made 1997 for that one. That yeah. was the best thing going in. And yeah. it was also, it helped kind of build to WrestleMania. Now, obviously, everybody's going to say, all right, well, Tyson being part of the main event, that's what, you know, pretty much helped things. That's what sold that WrestleMania. Undertaker and Kane working semi-main yeah. in a storyline that had been developed, that had been developed. Uh, you know, again, a slow Yeah, long-term slow build. 
Yes. Which, you know, it's a good thing. Uh, now, it was very rare, I think, back in that time period because you had some asshole who was writing it who pretty much just wanted stuff for, like, the Jerry Springer show. Like, like he wanted to write, you know, Undertaker didn't set on fire in the casket and all that shit. Yeah, but it, it, you do got to give him his flowers here because this is probably... Only if it's Poison Ivy, and I'm not talking about the comic book character. I'm so proud of you right now. <laughs> uh, but you do got to give him a little respect because... I think the Undertaker Kane storyline would be the best representation of long-term storytelling for Vince Russo, or at least the best job he's done at it. Yeah. And yeah, it's filtered through Vince and all these other creators. I'm not giving it all to him, but I'm saying if you want to say, oh, Vince Russo can't do long-term storytelling, you would point to this. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, he did Undertaker Kane, and he was behind most of that, so. Yeah, I mean, you want to give Vince Russo too much credit or else Jim Cornette will cut our power again. Yeah. We don't want that. Yeah, but I, I thought this worked. I thought it was like I was starting to fall asleep, so I was like, "This is actually exciting, fun, and attitude era era e stuff." Yeah, yeah. So, it should have been five minutes longer, and it should have kept with five minutes longer than the other match. Yeah, but I mean, him and Jerry can only do so much. The Kane shit was cool, but I, I didn't mind the length of how long it took. I, I thought it worked. Yeah, I. I I thought this was fun. I thought this is when it started picking up a little bit. This was the no DQ match, no DQ that made sense. Because everything from ta- after Taka up to this was complete and utter dog shit. Yeah. yeah. So just seeing this was like, okay, it's a little breath of fresh air. At least it's the Undertaker. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it's yeah. Undertaker. There's, you knew there was going to be three guys at this point. Yeah. That were not going to, well, you hoped it was, it was supposed to be three guys that were not going to fuck up. And that was, Undertaker, Austin, and Shawn Michaels. Yeah. And Rock. Well, Rock, they still didn't. They didn't know what they had with him yet. Okay. Okay. Not quite yet. Yeah. Not not, not quite yet. But you had your three tops, and Rock was getting there. Yeah. I'm yeah. not saying he wasn't getting there, but no, I know he wasn't. What you mean. They knew like, what they had, but they were still building. Yeah. Yeah. But like you figure, okay, Undertaker, Austin, Michaels, uh, and Undertaker did his job. Austin had somebody else that would help him do his, that would do the job with him. Because remember, Austin still couldn't work like full length matches because he's still coming off a neck injury. Yeah. All right. And then you had Shawn Michaels, who pretty much picked and chose when he wanted to do, when he wanted to do good. So in essence, like it, it depended on the guy. Like you knew you had three guys that like you could depend on or that you hoped you could depend on, but also you had to give them a good enough dance partner. Yeah, it just so happened to turn out Austin probably had the best dance partner of the bunch. Yeah, because you know Rock knew that okay, this is my time to shine. Jeff Jarrett, uh, you know he was he was good, but he wasn't a big star. And Shamrock was still trying; they were still trying to tell Shamrock, it's like just so you know, this is not UFC, so you can't go out there and fucking kill anybody. Yeah. Like, you still have to adapt to this style. Yes. Shamrock was the first... Was Shamrock the first one from UFC to go to WWE? Yeah, because he got there before Sever, right? He got... Yeah. But yes, yeah. he is. 
He's the first big star from the UFC that went. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, someone, especially like some of the Japanese guys that went to WCW, they might have did some MMA because Antonio Inoki was big into that and doing oh, MMA yeah. fights. But no one had been because UFC was like, it's '97, so we're at like UFC two at this point. Yeah, like it's very early. Like the only people you know is Shamrock and Severn and Gracie. Yeah, so it's those three. And Gracie wasn't not doing jujitsu or anything like he wasn't gonna fuck go to WWE. No. So yeah, Shamrock was pretty much the first, and to me the best to do it. Yeah, I, love yeah, that I was gonna little, say but... he's the biggest star. Yeah. Him and him and uh, Lesnar are the two biggest. No, because Lesnar went from WWE to UFC, so yeah, so that didn't back. really count. Yeah, I'd say the the second person that's done about as good of a job. Would be Matt Riddle. Yeah. Because he was in the UFC for a while. I forgot that. Yeah. And he did. He started in MMA. And, and also your boy Dirty, whatever the fuck, uh, Tom Lawler. Filthy Tom Lawler. Filthy yeah. Because yeah. he's another one. Now, again, like, I don't ever see him kind of going into WWE because, you he's know. A, he's bigger in MMW. Well, he's been doing a lot of stuff in New Japan, too. Okay, yeah. But... Also, because like WWE, I don't see WWE kind of like reaching out to him. Yeah, it's it's. And he's old, right? He's older now, right? He's getting older, and I don't think he would really fit their style. Tom Lawler, no, no. But uh, yeah, I mean, Ken Shamrock's the man. But the Undertaker and Kane shit was a lot of fun, and it really like whatever those two are on the screen, like they didn't even have to do much. All Kane did was slap him in the face here, and then he walked away, and it told the whole story. Yeah. So I thought it worked. I'd give the Jared Undertaker match a solid five out of ten. I would say five, yeah. I give it a ten. Look at you being out there. <laughs> Next up, we have uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus The Rock with The Nation. This only goes about five minutes. It felt a little longer, though, watching it. Because I remember you telling me, oh, this is barely even a match. And then we're watching I was like, Doug, this is a fucking match. Well, a- again, because they only treated it like it was like a segment. Yeah, but like looking back, looking back at it, well, because they treated it like, because from what I've heard, again, this is the first time I've ever watched it. Yeah, you've never seen this. Okay. I had always been told. This was their first match. That this was pretty much just like a segment because Austin really couldn't work. Yeah. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons, because the next night on Raw, McMahon came out and ordered Austin to wrestle Rock again. Yeah. Because there was no clear winner at the pay-per-view. But there was definitely a clear winner. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, because, like, the uh, the original referee wasn't the one that counted. Uh, but, uh, so, and he's like, but you're defending the title against Rocky, uh, or you're forfeiting the title. And Austin came out and said, I'm not defending this title. I already beat this guy's ass. And Vince is like, all right, we'll hand him the belt then. Okay, here. So he hands him the belt, raises his hand, stuns him. Takes the belt. Takes the belt, the and then, week. as we're going to cover on next week's show, throws it into a bridge. <laughs> ah, yeah. Or throws it over a bridge. Yeah, which is awesome. But this, for what it was, it was short, but there was a lot here, and it was actually a lot of fun. 
and him driving the big ass ATV, not the ATV, but the big ass truck to the ring, uh, fucking everybody up, beating up the whole nation. Like it was kind of a you, prelude. It felt like it was a main event. Yeah, it felt like a main event, and I also feel like a prelude, like what was to come with like the beer truck and shit like yeah. that, and him driving out to the ring, and it just it worked. And Rock, his promo in the back, he was starting to become Rock and coming into his own a little bit, and this is a young heel Rocky, and this is like this. You see the shift. And it's fun seeing a shift, especially what we know about these two guys. We covered their whole feud yeah. a few weeks ago. And uh, by what we know about them now, it's fun seeing Steve Austin, like, right there. Like, he's right there about to, like, yep. getting ready to go to WrestleMania and fucking become the man. And Rock's still a little below him, but the Rock's becoming that top heel. He's transitioning from the die, Rocky, die, like, good guy, idiot, to, like, this, like, legitimate now. heel fucking, yeah. Like so, these two ships are going up at the same time, and it's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. And uh, I, the only thing I felt bad for was for Rook, seeing him sit next to him and not say a word in the promo. Yeah. It's like this and really. He used to be the leader. It's like this was supposed to be his deal, and he got his shine taken from him. And yeah. I do feel bad, but yeah. it's also for Rook. He'll talk about it today, and he's like, it's the way it went, and Rocky was becoming the fucking man. Yeah. I don't have any sour grapes about it. Now again, and we're gonna cover it next week when we do the do the war drums. But even like uh, when they did the, like that opening promo when Rock said, "Hey, I want my belt back." Rock Farouk was trying to talk, and Rock looks at him and says, "No, my time." Yeah. And then that's what started the uh, the dissension of the nation. Yeah, because Farouk looked at him like, "Boy, I will beat the fuck out of you." <laughs> I'm the one who started this group. Yeah. Yeah. They're gonna come in and fucking steal my shit. Yeah, that's the Rock did. And uh, but and uh, one person you have to give a lot of credit to is D'Lo. Yeah. All right. He took the back drop on the truck and he sold it for the entire time. Yeah, he was laying there the whole time. Yeah, like he's laying in the back of the truck. Like it's just like okay, yeah, you took the back drop, but you know nowadays, uh, and if you would have taken, uh, you know. If you would have looked at what China did, China no sold something after five minutes. D'Lo sold it the entire fucking time. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, <clears throat> well, because again, like, if you get backdropped onto a fucking uh, on the glass, you know, you should be selling it. Yeah. And or dead. So, uh, you know, he did the right thing there. I agree. He did, and it, it just this was mostly Austin getting his shit in and Rock just selling it very well. Like it's not like there was a lot of back and forth here. Austin I mean, he hit a, he hit a couple of moves on on Austin. He did hit a couple of moves, but this was this was definitely the Steve Austin show. Well, it yeah. had it had to be too because Austin still was not a hundred percent fully clear to take impact from the neck. Yeah, but I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good match, and I thought it was a lot of fun. And just as a segment with the truck and everything, and the build up, like it wasn't it was short and sweet. And it was I give it a seven out of ten. I would say seven. I would say it's, seven. It's obviously not what they would go on to do at WrestleManias and stuff, but for a little fun thing in a pay per view, this is one of the highlights of this thing. I mean, they made it a big deal because they were advertising as the 25th anniversary of the first match between the two. Yeah, exactly. So it is a it is a big deal, and it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. Uh, next up, we have the main event: the meat and potatoes. Shamrock and Shawn Michaels uh, for the WWF Championship. This goes about 18 minutes. Ends by DQ. The promo beforehand that Shamrock hits, and then he finishes it, and he walks straight to the ring. 
I feel like this is a different guy than what we saw two weeks ago when we reviewed that Raw. Because that segment, when he was doing his promo and he was talking to shit to Sean, I thought it felt like nails on a chalkboard. It felt like boring. Like, I was like, this, he's not ready yet. Like, his yeah. promos, like, he's a legit badass dude that could fucking break your neck and choke you out. But he's like, he sounds like he's not good on the microphone. He sounds stupid. He yeah. He's a bad promo. Yeah. He looked like a, he sounded like a bad promo. And but here it was like it was really tight and short and he's like you're you're just a little baby. I forgot exactly what he said, but the intensity of his voice, the way he was looking directly at the camera, I was like, I believe this guy is gonna go out there and try to kill Shawn Michaels. Yeah. And it was so intense, it was like a legit fight and he's got the fucking little robe on and then he finishes, he says, You're a little baby and then he fucking walks right out. It's like this is cool. Yeah. It's like a different guy. It, it looked like it didn't seem two weeks apart. It seemed two years apart. I think no. you said something like that when we were watching it. Yeah. It felt like a couple years different from promo ability. Like before it seemed like a, a green first day on the job idiot. Now it's like a, a polished pro that knows how to talk. Yeah. I agree with that. And what you got to remember too is this is probably Shamrock's only like maybe 10th or 12th match. Yeah. Like wow. on, a, on a main stage. Okay. Because he signed the contract in in March. Yes. His first, like, official, like, actual WWF match, even though it was no holds barred and non-sanctioned, was with Vader, yes. who, again, you know, they wanted to test Shamrock, and Vader liked to beat the shit out of smaller guys. Yeah. But yeah. also, Shamrock can beat the shit out of you. Yes. And so, like, that was a test. And then, you know... The next big one was that 10-man tag where he had all these guys that were going to protect him and all that. Yeah. And then, uh, then you know, the thing with Bulldog. And, you know, that kind of sucked. Yeah. But that's also because Bulldog was starting to deal at the time with really bad knees. Yeah. So, you know, couldn't really get a lot out of there. Then he got hurt in Japan. He ended up rupturing his fucking spleen. Yeah. Okay. Uh. Actually, thanks to Vader. Bulldog, right? Or Shamrock? Shamrock. Okay. Okay. And then, you know, he does the thing where they really build him up uh, at Survivor Series. And then they kind of just, you know, it's like, okay, you're going to be the first one to go against Sean. Because they were going to do all this stuff with Sean up until the – because the plan at this point was get Steve Austin over but have Sean work with these guys that we think he can work with. Yeah. But also, too, what what really hurt Shamrock at the time was Shamrock kind of suffered from Bret Hart syndrome, and he never showed up on time to a building. Yeah. Or, like, sometimes he would just, he would no-show. Because okay. he pulled a couple of no-shows, like, after this. Wow. And they're just like, okay, dude, if you no-show... Like, we can't, like, your push is done. Yeah. Which sucks because, like, 98, 99, that's when Shamrock really should have got this run and the title shot yeah. and stuff. Because that's what, like, he was, he really started to get polished towards the end. Like, until around the around the time he left. Like, 98, the stuff with Rock was fucking awesome. That's one of my favorite feuds. Uh, one of the more underrated ones, too. Yeah. And well, both guys still talk about it like it's the favorite thing they've ever done. Well, yeah, and Rock actually helped induct Shamrock into the Hall of Fame, into the Impact Hall of Fame. Yeah, they both like each other a lot. And 
Shamrock was just getting very polished and getting very good. Here, he was still a little green, but this felt legitimate. It felt fun. Uh, Shawn Michaels, uh, he did his shit, and it was good, and he's a great wrestler. And they, they had a good match. The only problem with the match was the finish because we had – and honestly, the finish isn't bad. He's about to submit. He's about to tap out. Ken doesn't look weak at all. Triple H and China attack him and then fucking DQ so the title can't change. Mm-hmm. It makes sense as a finish. But yeah, at this he's point, a heel. Because he's a heel. But at this point, we're at our fourth DQ and on the fucking night. Yeah. Like at that point, it's like we need something to go clean and like – we got a little baby face moment with Steve Austin, but we've also got a lot of heel victories on this. I think the only, I mean, Butterbean and Taka, I guess, but. Well, Taka was technically the only, like, actual clean, clean well, besides Austin. Yeah. Was the only actual clean, like, finish. Yeah. So it was just, it was a little. Clean baby face finish. It yeah. was too fucky, and it just didn't, like, I liked it, but it was a. With a show that was already kind of soured, you know, the fans even were kind of starting to give up in the audience, and we were kind of, like, getting jet lagged because a lot of the show has been shitty. You kind of got to end on a fantastic note, and this just did it. Yep. That, like, a heel ending the like that? Didn't. No. Afterwards. Afterwards did. Yeah. When Shamrock starts fucking everybody up. Or what What do you mean the pure afterwards? Owen. Oh. And when Owen uh, Blackheart comes out. Yeah. Uh, and Owen starts beating the shit out. But also, that didn't get a pop like it should have. Because they haven't built uh, Owen up enough to that point. Well, earlier in the night, uh, King, uh, JR and King even said, they're like, well, Owen disappeared. We don't know where he is. Like, this should have happened. Was this the first, his first appearance since the screw? Yeah. That's the issue. He should have been there the next fucking night. All right. So you got to capitalize Contractually... Here's what happened. What? The next night, because, you know, everybody had threatened to walk out on Vince that next day, right? Yeah. All right, we talked about this. Well, the only ones that technically had the right to walk out were uh, Owen and Davey and Nightheart. Yeah. Okay. Well, Davey had to buy, had to buy out his contract. He had to pay them like $125,000 because he needed – they were going to send him to go get knee surgery anyway. So he paid $125,000 to get out of his contract. Nightheart worked a certain amount of days left, including the Raw before this. And then he, had, and then, you know, he was going to be done because Brett was going to get him and Davey jobs in WCW. Owen – Vince wanted to keep somebody from the family there. Yeah. And Owen was very well liked by a lot of people. So they're like, all right, let's try to keep Owen. So Vince gave him a pay raise. Uh, And pretty much Owen's wife said, just stay there. Don't go anywhere. Like, well, she wanted him out of the business anyway. Yeah. She's like, if you're going to leave the WWF, you're not going anywhere else. You're staying home. Yeah. And he's like, no, like, uh, you know, just let me make more money. So, gave him a pay raise. They said, you're going to work uh, top programs with Sean. Yeah. We're going to get you the bell at some point. Uh, obviously, Sean soured on the idea. Uh, yeah, who would have fucking thought? But that, it was stupid. Yeah. He should have, 
And even coming out after this, and it did get a little bit of a pop, and it was a lot of fun, and it did build. But he gets Hunter after this, and he loses. Right, and, and that's the thing is that like because Sean pretty much kiboshed the entire thing. It should have gone right to Owen and Sean, and then yeah. Owen gets the belt. That's what yeah, it should have been. Get the brothers' revenge. Right, yeah. but also that's a story. That's a built-in it, story. It, it is the story. And that's what they wanted to do. But unfortunately, when you have a fucking crybaby yeah. as your world champion, who is just like, it's pretty much, it's up to him whether or not he wants to do this yet. No more fellatio, though. Well, no. Make your point, but no more blowjobs. All right. When you have this fucking crybaby who wants to, you know, who it's up to him whether he wants to do it or not. And your, your owner of your company really doesn't have a set yet. Yeah. Even though technically he run he runs everything. Yeah. But because again they're not publicly traded yet. Yeah. So it's just like all right we got to keep Sean happy. No, you tell this fucker what to do, or if he doesn't comply, you hire the fucking mob. You have him taken him out <laughs> to the fucking woods, and that be the end of him. Soprano hit that. Yeah. All right. Fuck this guy. So you you kind of wish they would have did the match in Puerto Rico, pretty much, yeah. For Carlos Colon. Yeah, Carlos would Carlos and Invader would have taken care of that motherfucker. <laughs> like that's so fucked up. But yeah. uh, I'm about to say I agree. I agree with the parts of that that don't deal with that, that don't murder. Involve <laughs> Sean being murdered. But I'm I, I'm one of the biggest Sean Michael fans, and I think he was a dick. Yeah, I mean, he'll tell you he was a fucking dick, and that's fine. He probably regrets it, too. Because the business they could have done. the Like, that's a built-in story, and I think people would want to see that. But the uh, there's also other issues that goes with that. Another issue is that Owen was being a very good heel at the time. He was a – Owen – It's hard to do that when you're a very good – even though it's a real-life circumstance – and people kind of, the fans were kind of in and they kind of know what's going on. They still, all they've seen is Owen be a dick for the past two yeah. years. And also, too, Owen almost paralyzed the guy that was going to become the biggest star. Exactly. So, so it doesn't really work. So I think also, too, and again, I'm not really sticking up for Sean, but like a lot of people in the back still have heat with Owen because Owen never went to Austin and said, hey, just so you know, I apologize. Yeah. Not that I'm saying, but I'm saying more of a makes sense as a, a viewer wise, because yeah. I, I get that too, but also like you just had Sean or not Sean, you just had Owen on your TV screen. She's kicking the other team's ass. No, I'm losing this one. What? You haven't ten to seven. You haven't quit yet. Nope. Uh, but we just saw Owen on. Oh, they missed it. We right. just saw. I'm in a monologue. We just saw Owen on TV, fucking going off about how he broke. Uh, seven one seven. I just broke your neck. Ha ha ha! And he's wearing a shirt and he's talking all this shit. Yeah. And now we're supposed to. Oh, he's gonna avenge his brother. He's this good guy. Like it is hard to make that leap as a viewer. Especially within a couple months. Yeah, it's hard to do that. It's like, oh, this guy's actually a good guy with good intentions. There was not enough time to build to that. Yeah, like. It just like as a viewer, it's like, all right, they fucked his brother over, but he just broke my hero's neck and bragged about it. Fuck yeah. this guy, you know. Yeah. Like, not it doesn't. It's not. I don't think it can all be put on Sean, because maybe Sean kibosh well, it, but maybe if they did it, maybe it wouldn't have worked too. Well, and that's the thing. That, that's another thing you got to remember. It seems like if, if you look at if you look at Owen Hart, yeah, 
And you look at a lot of the baby face stuff he did, it never worked. Yeah. Like, and Owen was not a good baby face. So I can understand, you know, the fans not really getting behind him. Now, they would have gotten behind him, I think, because, again, everybody hated Shawn Michaels at that point because everybody still liked, there was a lot of people that were still fans of Bret Hart. Yeah. But also, too, and yes, a lot of people do blame Shawn. I'm one of them, but that's also because, one, at that time he was a dick, and two, I always love giving Eric a hard time because Eric's pretty much worse than Shawn Michaels. Yeah. So. Well, Shawn Michaels, no matter what you want to say or what you can or who you worship and everything, Shawn Michaels is one of the best in-ring competitors of all time. Exactly. And it doesn't matter what you say. Yeah, exactly. And, like, around around this time, yes, he was very good. He might have been a pain in the ass to deal with, but but guess what? He still delivered high quality matches. Yeah, he could pop five pills, talk shit to people, and still be the best worker out there. But this yeah. is prime Shawn Michaels. Yeah. He's better than when he comes. I mean, when he comes back, he's still really good. But even Shawn, like Shawn, might be a dick here, but he can have a twenty-minute match when, with anybody. When he comes back, he's a better person, and therefore, like. But the thing is, is that his in ring work. It it. Went, it dipped a little. It was it wasn't bad though. You because yeah. two thousand two to two, like Sean was still putting on a fantastic. Two thousand two to about two thousand eight. Yeah. Like when he had that match, which by the way, Ric Flair should not be having five star matches at fifty nine years old <laughs> yeah. uh, with those saggy man kids. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that was probably some. But they had, and I didn't mean to interrupt you, uh, or maybe I did, but like. They had the best match of that WrestleMania. Yeah, and Sean was doing that. Yeah, because Sean pretty much carried the match, and Flair knew, hey, look, I'm leaving. So I have to make sure that Sean, that I get Sean as over as possible, even though Sean really didn't need to be over. Exactly. But Sean also, like, Sean had five-star match with Shelton Benjamin on Raw. Yeah. Like, he was still putting on great matches, but back then, back here, he was untouchable. He was pretty much untouchable. Even though, like, people weren't watching it and fucking the ratings were terrible, Sean could go out there and go 30 minutes with anybody. He could – Shamrock looked like a legitimate – like, he's been training professional wrestling for 10 years here. Yeah. Even though he hasn't, and he was still kind of great. Yeah. But that's because Sean made him look so good. Sean is one of the best at making people look good and doing his shit. He's one of the best at selling. You could say whatever you want about his attitude, and even at that time, but at that time, he could work. Yep. He was a great wrestler. Uh, so, yeah. But this match, it, it didn't totally, the finish is what derailed it. Because I thought I was into the match the whole time. I thought the match was good. But yeah. The, it started to derail by the finish. The end. I don't think the ending was hyped enough to to save it. As cool as it was to see Owen, and especially what we know now that it's like, okay, Owen, like you should have went right to Sean. Instead, you're gonna have him job to Triple H. What the fuck? And we've talked about that in nauseum. So I don't really want to get into it again. Yeah, and, and again, it, 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 it's all these what ifs. And again, a lot of people have said. You know, their piece on it. A lot of people that were there, you know, they said their piece on it. And, you know, they blame Sean. It, but also, too, you made the point earlier. Yeah. Which was which was a great point that, like, we don't even know if it would have worked. Exactly. And then also, too, you got to remember, you know, they said, okay, they could have went to, you know, Owen and Sean probably could have main evented that rumble. Yeah. But they went with Undertaker instead because they knew – that one, it, whatever they wanted Sean to do, they could get Undertaker to do it. 
because Undertaker pretty much had that power over Sean. It's just like, look, if you don't do business, I'm going to beat the fucking shit out of you. Yeah. Uh, which Owen, to be honest with you, the only thing Owen could do was put Tabasco sauce on your jock strap. I mean, Owen would be a great worker with someone that he – like, I believe if Owen and Sean wanted to go have a five-star match, they could. They they could, but what I'm saying is that, like, you know, Undertaker could basically tell Sean, it's like, again, do this or I'm going to kill you. Yeah. Owen, the only the only threatening thing Owen could do was, like I said, you know, put Tabasco sauce on Sean's junk. Yeah. You know, or rib him any other kind of way. But Undertaker was more intimidating. Because everybody, Undertaker was pretty much the lead. Undertaker could have technically went to Vince and said, I'm running this fucking company. Yeah. And Vince would have said, okay, here, uh, give me two bucks. The company's yours. And then Undertaker would have run the thing and everybody would have listened to him and nobody would have fucking said, uh, Mark, I don't think this is the right thing to do. Because if they would have done that, he would have taken them off the top of whatever the building they were on and he would have fucking thrown them off. That's yeah. how much respect people have for him. Exactly, because uh, they knew at that time he wasn't fucking around because he was all about the business. He was so loyal to the company. If he wasn't loyal to the company, he would have been working for WCW. He would have followed Brett to WCW. Yeah, obviously this is his loyal. That would have probably saved WCW. Uh, well, no, Bischoff would have fucked it up. Yeah, like he fucked up half of his brother. Yeah. I mean, you, we would have had Undertaker Goldberg before instead of 20 years later. Yeah. But, like... I but, forgot they finally wrestled. Yeah. It was the worst thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> well, That's how bad it again, was. again, they were so past their prime. Yeah, old as fuck. Poor Undertaker. Oh. Uh, uh, but, yeah. I w- can we give this match a rating? Yeah. All right. I give this an 8 out of 10. I'm going to give it a 6. I give it a 5. Okay. Overall, let's give our final thoughts on the show. I thought that I thought this wasn't as good, or I don't think this was as bad as I thought it would be. I think this is actually, it's not the worst thing we've ever talked about or watched. It's not the worst piece of wrestling content. You made it seem a lot worse than it actually was to me, Eric. What I watched, I was like, oh, God, he fell asleep twice. I was like, oh, shit. But then I watched it, I was like, this does kind of suck, but there's enough little diamonds in here. Who would have thought that Brian Christopher and Takamichinoku would be one of them? Yeah. But that is, you know, that, Stone Cold and The Rock, Shamrock, and Sean kind of saved this thing. And Jarrett and Taker were cool too. So uh, overall, I would give this show a 5 out of 10. I don't think, I think it was aggressively mediocre. I don't think it was terrible though. I mean, overall, it wasn't as bad as I made it out to seem to be to Doug. <laughs> I wasn't I was mainly just nothing. I really have to quit taking your word for things. Well it wasn't <laughs> good. You're not wrong though. This isn't fucking WrestleMania seventeen. No, I mean no, and th- that's the thing. No, it wasn't It uh, does suck. It wasn't a five star classic. It was probably like two and a half, three stars. Not even three. No. Okay. I don't I'd take my five back <laughs> and scale it back to a four. Because it's not even it's it's below mediocre. It's a little below average. Yeah, and that's not something you want to do. Because again, three weeks from this point, WCW was going to do their biggest show of the year, and they knew that they were promoting Hogan and Sting for Starcade and the build, and they knew a lot of people were going to get that. So you would think that WWF okay would have their biggest uh, fucking 
their biggest outing. Yeah. Uh, or and you know put forth their their best effort. But also now they were lucky that you know Hogan went on a fucking ego trip and tr- fucked the main and basically sodomized the main event with the rusty fucking fishing knife. Yep. But how were they supposed to know? I mean, unless like everybody backstage knew it's just like, oh, Hogan's so much of an egomaniac. He's not going to do this for Sting. We're good. Well, like we'll we'll recover from. It. We can do something shitty and still be okay. <laughs> uh. But no, you were actually giving your final thought. Let me oh, let me yeah. pause. We'll let you go. As I said, it wasn't as bad as I made it out to be the first time. It wasn't the best. It wasn't the worst we've ever done. But it was okay. I liked three matches out of what eight cards, eight matches. Yeah. So I give it a I give it a three and a half out of five. I mean three three and a half out of ten. Out of ten, I mean. I okay. got you. All right, Doug. All right. Again, we've done pay-per-views before where it's been like a one-match card. Yeah. Okay. And so, this is the 33rd. This is the 33rd one-match card we've done or the 33rd pay-per-view? Pay- pay-per-view. Okay. So, anyway. Uh, I was going to say 33rd one-match card. God, we have, we've done a lot of shit. <laughs> uh, all right. But it's... Again, this was a very lackluster effort yeah. for something for coming off something that was so hot like yeah. like Montreal. Yeah. But you have to give it up to the people that work their asses off, like Tak and Brian, nope. uh Taker and Jarrett, Austin Rock, even Shamrock and Sean, and I give Sean a lot of shit and he deserves a lot of it. He deserves a lot of it back then. I don't think he deserves a lot of it now, because to be honest with you, when you're still fucking getting poop uh, poop thrown at you for shit that you did 25 years ago. <laughs> What's the point of saying poop? Yeah, you're going to say shit, shit right after. Yeah. And you literally said shit right after. I, you know, I was trying to clean it up, and then I forgot what that was. Like, you're getting poop thrown at you, but you don't give a shit. Yeah, but like... So you're getting you're getting all this stuff thrown at you, you're getting stones thrown at you for stuff you still did 25 years ago. And again, I'm guilty of that. Uh, yeah, you're throwing the poop. All right, but uh, I think that's mainly because I'm a fan. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> uh, a lot of crap for it. Uh, again, still to this day, and he doesn't. I, I mean, you did what you did 25 years ago. It happened. He can't go back and change the past. It's not like we can hop in a fucking DeLorean and go back and change everything. Uh, right. He made amends with... Um, he made amends with Brett. He basically apologized for everything he did. As far as the show goes, this show, again, lackluster effort. However, the guys that put that actually put in the effort did a really good job. If you cut out the Bariquas in DOA and you cut out Butterbean and Mark Merrill, or at least let Butterbean just beat the shit out of Merrill. Uh, which, to be honest with you, they wanted to save that honor for Sable. Uh, which I still don't fucking understand. You have a 350-pound fucking monster that could fucking eat Mark Merrill. And you're basically saving Merrill's ass-kicking for Merrill's 100-pound life. Uh, so... I mean, don't get me wrong. Stable's a lot better looking than Butterbean. Uh, I would agree. I <laughs> yeah. Uh, Even though they probably... Probably. 
but other you know other than that again good effort by some of the people bad effort by others i would give the show a probably a four and a half out of ten it's one of those efforts that again you could have done more you could have basically told everybody it's like look we know what we're running up against in three weeks let's go out there let's kill it uh bariquas please don't suck China, if something gets thrown at you, please fucking sell it. Uh, uh, Mero, uh, the only reason why you work here is because your wife is hot, so you fucking suck. You know, all that shit that you can... Oh, uh, Outlaws, or, or Hawk, please don't talk about uh, boogers. Get off the drugs. <laughs> uh, you know, they could have said all that, and the, the show would have been like an eight. Like, if those people would have stepped up their game, this would have been an awesome pay-per-view. I agree. And there was something else that we kind of glanced over. There was, like, this segment after the first match with, with uh, Goldust. Gold oh, my God. Oh, God, yeah. That, I, that's, that's, why, that's why, that's when I texted you. I, yeah. I, I think I texted you something and said this is one of the worst. That's why I said that. It yeah. was it was Goldust dressed in drag yeah. with Luna and she he was connected to a chain. They were doing some sort of BDSM thing. Yeah. yeah. And he was reading Green Eggs and Ham. Yeah. In a very weird way. Yeah, which by yeah. the way, I'm pretty sure no parent read their child Green Eggs and Ham for the rest of nineteen ninety seven. And he was in a pink wig and he had a thong out over his suit. Yeah, it was creepy. It was very creepy. And then she hit him at the end and was like, Come on, bitch. And that's when I texted you I said this might be the worst favorite. It was very. Ever. It was when Goldust was getting too weird. It was like he was like a creative genius, but then he was like he was pushing the envelope a little too much. It worked. It worked for. It was, wor- it, it it was, for, it was starting not to work now. But yeah. it wouldn't. It wouldn't go over well in this this yeah, this year. It didn't work then. The crowd was like, "What the fuck?" It's not like they were loving him singing Green Eggs and Ham and Drag. No, yeah, you know, like it doesn't work no matter what. Him and Luna doing. just didn't work out. Like there was something about Marlena. Yeah, him he, and Luna he, were. They, it got too weird. Yeah, but also Luna was very much weird. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is fine and that's okay, but it's like it just it didn't really work. Yeah, and like the stuff they were having him do, like when they had him dump Perry. On live, you know, on television during that interview, it's just yeah. like okay, it was because what they pretty much did was they pretty much had him because this was the first public appearance that they did together or public interview they did together after Brian Pillman passed away. Yeah, and you have Goldust on TV looking at Marlena said, "Look, I know you fucked him before he died, so I've had it with you. I don't want you anymore." Um. My sausage is going in somebody else. Uh, we're done. And he threw the wedding ring at her and walked away. That's crazy. And it was just like, okay, this is stupid. Because again, but they were also trying to heal because uh, he was going to be part of that Team USA ah, yeah. against Team Canada at Survivor Series. And it was going to be in Canada. So they had to pretty much heal everybody on that, uh, you know, on that team. Yeah, <laughs> and they were having Meryl treat stable like shit. They had Goldust do what he did. Uh, you know, the Patriot. You know, he was probably the lucky one on that whole team. He tore his biceps, so he couldn't be at the show. 
Yeah. They had Steve Blackman come in, and Blackman had no idea. Blackman had hadn't competed in a wrestling match since 1989. He had been doing karate. Yeah. And Vader wasn't a strong baby face to begin with. No. But yeah, that whole Goldust thing was just like it, it, the whole was, angle was. Just, was that real? Him and Terry were. Having, they were going through problems, and they did get a divorce. And uh, they were mirroring. They were trying to mirror reality. Their problems happened like a year or two after this, maybe. Their divorce was finalized, I think, in '99. Yeah. So they were having problems, but. And they both remarried. But this is when the Goldust was weird, dude. No, they married. But well, not, not each other. They were no. married to other people. Terry actually banged New Jack for a while. That's awesome. I love Terry Reynolds. Uh, but those two, it was just weird, and it, it didn't work. And like the guy wanted prosthetic tits for God's sakes. Yeah. Uh, At some point, he has to get fake boobs, and Vince is like, "No, buddy, you're going too far." Uh, yeah, the Dusty Rhodes today is so much different from Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. Not Dusty Rhodes. Dusty. I agree. I agree. Uh, but yeah, that was in your house degeneration X. Do you want to know what we're doing next week, Doug? I already said it. Oh, okay. What is it? Uh, the War Drums, December 15th, 1997. Okay. What, did you have another idea? Yeah, for the week after. Or do you already got the whole fucking New Year plan? No, the week after you can... It's week after this Christmas. Oh, yeah. We're still doing the Friday show? Yeah, we'll still do the Friday show. Okay. Uh, I want to do Hard Justice 2006 from TNA. If we can find it. Uh, there you go. All right. We're doing it. They Where is put it? all their pay-per-views on YouTube. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Yeah, they do that like once a week. Yeah. It's all on here. So, we'll do yeah. Hard Justice 2006, main evented by Jeff Jarrett and Sting. Because we haven't done a TNA pay-per-view. So, oh. that'll be... Two weeks that'll be on December twenty third. Next week, December sixteenth, will be that uh, will be the war drums. Okay. Uh, and then I after that, you know, we'll have a team meeting. Make sure to check out the Stabcast. Uh, not sure what we're doing Sunday. I got to get with Mindy. Make sure to check out the Web Cave on Monday. We're going to be talking about top ten Marvel relationships since we did DC last week. Check out Unscripted Wrestling at 6.30 p.m. on Fridays. Doug just told you what we're doing Friday. Make sure to check out the Wrestling Outlet Wednesday and Saturday for the Hollywood Hangout. And make sure to check out Elite Diplodoc on YouTube and Twitch for Sean. And don't forget Unscripted Unlimited. It's going to be next Saturday, uh, a sitcom debate. It's Growing Pains versus Night Court versus Designing Women. We're going to do a bunch of, uh, over like the next few months, we're going to do a bunch of, like, CBS versus ABC versus NBC sitcom uh, debates. Uh, <laughs> How do you do 90s, too, right? <coughs> this all happened in, like, the 80s and 90s. Oh, yeah. All right. Trust me, I'm working on a theme here. Uh, so next week, it's Designing Women representing CBS versus Night Court representing NBC versus Growing Pains representing ABC. I'm rep- I am the perfect representative for Designing Women. Yeah. So I will be... Uh, because well, that's, that's the way you can go out with one is if you design them. Oh, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean that. Kind <laughs> of a bitch. It's just only too good of a line. <laughs> All right. Eric will be representing growing pains. It's actually perfect for me. Well, yeah, because you have a growing pain in your ass, which happens to be me. Uh, 
And then uh, Karen will be representing Nightcore because <laughs> apparently she got to pick first and she picked the show that everybody else wanted to do. Uh, so that'll be next week. And then we'll kind of update everybody. Oh, uh, New Year's uh, New Year's Eve. You want to update everybody on what, uh, your idea? Unscripted Unlimited. On Unscripted Unlimited, we're going to be doing the year-end awards, the Unscripted year-end awards. Okay. So we're going to do categories for Unscripted Wrestling, the webcave, Stabcast, and miscellaneous stuff, UFC fighters, football, sports, comedy, anything. And we're going to be giving awards to the best and worst in various subjects. And we're going to pop champagne, we're going to wear suits, and it's going to be fun. <laughs> I thought I was doing the show completely naked. Yeah, your birthday suit. <laughs> Uh, with that, all that being said, unless you got something else, Doug, I'm ready to go. Uh, nah, I, we're good, I think. Eric, you good? Yeah, we're good. All right, Sharon, you got anything to add? No, I'm good. All right, Peanut, Misty, anything? <laughs> no. Meow. All, right. all right. Thanks, Box. Thanks, Box. Good luck yeah. trying to edit this thing. Yeah, I was just going to say, <laughs> Box, man, do your magic, you beautiful bastard. America. See, this is an old fuck. I'm a young stud, and I beat him. And he 